0: This is an ABC podcast.
1: Donald Trump was never a fan of Saudi Arabia.
0: They want to go in and raise the price of oil because we have nobody in Washington that sits back and said, you're not going to raise that fucking price. You understand me?
1: During his 2016 election campaign, he went even further.
0: Who blew up the World Trade Center? It wasn't the Iraqis, it was Saudi. You have to take a look at Saudi Arabia. Open the documents.
1: He was literally blaming Saudi Arabia for the 9-11 attacks and accusing them of bribing Hillary Clinton so they could get a good arms deal.
0: What did Saudi Arabia do? They paid Bill Clinton a fortune to do a speech. Later that year, Clinton's State Department signed off on arms deals between the United States and Saudi Arabia. Shocking, shocking.
1: So when Trump did win... Saudi authorities were in a full-blown panic, trying to figure out how to fix their relationship with Trump. The month he was elected, they sent a delegation to the US. And they basically realised this is incredibly important for us. Our relationship with the United States is, is our most important international relationship. We need a relationship with this guy. Ben Hubbard from The New York Times says the delegation met with members of the Trump administration and wrote a report on what they found for the Saudi royal family. The message they send back is these people are not traditional politicians. They didn't come up through the political ranks. They are business people. They're deal makers. They're interested in the bottom line. They don't really know anything about the Middle East. The report identified one key person on Trump's team who should be the focus of their courtship of the new administration. A man with very little knowledge of Saudi Arabia or the region and who had what they called a transactional mindset. That man was the president's son-in-law. Jared Kushner. Today, can you make America strong again if America can be sold to the highest bidder? How did a Saudi Arabian prince woo Jared Kushner and tie himself to the Trump family? The crown prince is boasting to the Emirati crown prince and others that Kushner was, quote, in his pocket. And how far would the friendship stretch when it came time to cover up a terrible crime? You don't bring a bone saw to an accidental fist fight uh, inside an embassy in Turkey or a consulate in Turkey. I'm Matt Bevan and this is America If You're Listening, a podcast about how Donald Trump changed the United States and the world. When Donald Trump became president, the defence minister of Saudi Arabia was the king's 32-year-old son, Mohammed bin Salman, better known as MBS. And when MBS heard the report from their delegation about the US president's son-in-law, he took it upon himself to become Kushner's best buddy. He and Jared Kushner were similar age, and both had a talent for manipulating the press – MBS started texting with Kushner on WhatsApp. They called each other by their first names, Jared and Mohammed. Kushner hoped his new friend might go from regular prince to crown prince someday. And according to the New York Times, started asking around in Washington about the Saudi royal succession process. How does it work? Could perhaps the United States use its influence to make sure MBS was given the top job? To boost MBS's profile, Kushner invited the prince to visit the White House. President Trump, as we told you, is meeting with the Saudi deputy crown prince right now in Washington. Uh, These are more pictures of them sitting down to a business lunch, as we understand it. Then Jared Kushner organized that his father in law's first overseas trip as president would be to Saudi Arabia. A country which only a few months earlier Trump had openly said was responsible for the worst terrorist attack in American history. And so three months after he was inaugurated, Trump arrived in Saudi Arabia and was greeted on the airport tarmac by King Salmi. Fighter jets did a flyby overhead. On his drive into downtown Riyadh, he saw posters and billboards plastered with his face and some of his best tweets.
0: They projected his face five stories high onto the wall of his hotel. That way, no, no, you have to, because that way, if he gets lost, he could find his way back.
1: That evening, Trump participated in a traditional sword dance and was given a medal. At the opening of the Global Centre for Combating Extremist Ideology, he joined the Saudi King and the President of Egypt in touching a glowing orb, which is fun. Then Saudi Arabia promised to spend enormous amounts of money on American defense supplies.
0: This landmark agreement includes the announcement of a $110 billion Saudi funded defense purchase. An arms deal, in other words. And we will be sure to help our Saudi friends to get a good deal from our great American defense companies.
1: The Saudis saw this as a massive success. Trump had been dazzled by the orbs and the swords and now he was on their team. But as Trump left, enormous change in Saudi Arabia began. Rumours were swirling that the king of Saudi Arabia was unhappy with the current crown prince and was considering making a change. And his son, MBS, the defence minister, was looking for a promotion. In an audacious move to impress his father, MBS arranged with Saudi Arabia's allies in the region to suddenly impose a blockade on the neighbouring country of Qatar.
2: There are humanitarian consequences to this blockade. We're seeing shortages of food, families are being forcibly separated and children pulled out of school.
1: Qatar is a regional rival of Saudi Arabia, but an extremely important military ally of the US. So the U.S. Secretary of State Rex Tillerson immediately backed Qatar up.
2: The blockade is hindering U.S. military actions in the region and the campaign against ISIS.
1: But Tillerson and the rest of the experienced foreign policy officials in the White House, known as the Axis of Adults, had been left in the dark. And so with one press conference, Donald Trump flipped decades of U.S. foreign policy on its head.
0: The nation of Qatar, unfortunately, has historically been a funder of terrorism. At a very high level.
1: The US had turned on an ally because Saudi Arabia, a different ally, had asked Donald Trump and Jared Kushner for support. US support for that blockade lasted for a year. But then Qatar cracked the code. They chipped in some cash into a deal to get Jared Kushner's family business out of big financial trouble.
0: A Canadian firm whose second largest uh, investor is the Qatari Investment Authority, says it's going to lease this building that someone who's been involved in it said would be more valuable if it was just a pile of dirt.
1: And the leader of Qatar offered to invest more money in the US government. And they were let back into the good books. But back to 2017. MBS's big move to catch his father's attention by placing a blockade on Qatar worked. Two weeks later, the king named his son MBS the new crown prince and de facto ruler of the kingdom. Jared Kushner, pleased that MBS had moved up in the ranks, was keen to make sure his friend's position was solid. He flew to Saudi Arabia for an all-night meeting.
3: The two princes uh, stayed up uh, late at night, a couple nights in a row, talking strategy, talking, talking politics.
1: That's Ryan Grimm from The Intercept. He says nobody knows what the two talked about,
3: but... But we do know that after uh, bin Salman came out, he started boasting to people that Kushner was in his pocket and Kushner had given him the names of people that were disloyal to him.
1: Ryan Grimm says Kushner may have taken a secret US list of Saudis who were disloyal to MBS and given it to him. A week later, MBS started a purge of people in his own family who were disloyal to him.
3: There's been an unprecedented anti-corruption purge with sweeping arrests of senior politicians and business leaders and members of the royal family.
0: Saudi Arabia's young crown prince arresting hundreds of his own cousins in a power grab.
1: MBS had taken complete control of the country and purged his rivals with the blessing and potentially the assistance of Jared Kushner and Donald Trump. At this point, things started getting a bit more complicated for Jared Kushner. Most likely due to his business entanglements and debts making him vulnerable to blackmail, the FBI had been unable to give him a proper security clearance. Wasn't helped by Kushner making more than 100 mistakes on his application form when it came to his prior contacts with foreign officials. Mistakes, by the way, is Kushner's word. The guy in charge of government background checks wasn't so sure.
0: I have never seen that level of mistakes.
1: After a lot of tussling and Kushner losing his security clearance altogether at one point, the President intervened and ordered he be given a permanent one. There was a short interruption, but Kushner was eventually put back in charge of White House interactions with MBS at the very moment everything went horribly, horribly wrong. In 2018, a Saudi journalist named Jamal Khashoggi was living in exile. He was extremely famous in Saudi Arabia. He came from a significant family. His cousin, for example, was Princess Diana's boyfriend, who was killed in the car crash with her in 1997. Khashoggi had worked both in the Saudi government and as a journalist – but in late 2017, after MBS's purge, he offered the new crown prince a bit of constructive criticism.
2: He is creating an environment of, uh, of, of, of intimidation and, and fear. Saudis are being silenced. Things are not being transparent and that is not a good recipe for reform in Saudi Arabia. And right. he needs to do something about that.
1: He realised he was no longer safe in his home country. He fled for the United States. He was living in America on a so-called genius visa and writing for the Washington Post about Saudi Arabia. And when I say writing, he wasn't always critical of MBS's leadership. He was supportive of some of MBS's economic and anti-corruption policies. And when MBS gave in to decades of protest from Saudi women and allowed them the right to drive, Khashoggi heaped on the praise.
2: I'm very much thrilled and I'm sure it will make my daughters very happy and uh, it will empower them to, uh, in, in their work.
1: But when MBS arrested the very activists who were pushing for the right to drive, Khashoggi was openly critical.
2: Those activists should have, should have been celebrated. Uh, they should have uh, been maybe the fairest Saudi woman to receive the driver's licence as a reward to their efforts.
1: See, Khashoggi was impartial towards the Saudi royal family. He called it like he saw it. But despite the fact that he was doing balanced journalism about Saudi Arabia, he knew he would likely never be able to return home. He got engaged to a Turkish expert in Middle East studies named Hatice Cengiz.
3: Like Jamal, before I met him, as a writer, not as a thinker, as a person.
1: The two had met in Istanbul that year and quickly decided to get married.
3: He, he was a really cute person. <laughs> More than a husband and... Lover and boyfriend and he's like my my father and my my brother and my mother sometimes advisor and a teacher and best friend and I loved him a lot
1: the Saudi government had been trying to lure him back into the country with offers of being a media advisor to the royal family a job he'd done in the past Khashoggi thought it was a trap and that if he entered the country, he would be put under house arrest.
2: I'm 60 years old and I want to enjoy life and I want to be free to speak for my country.
1: So Khashoggi lived just outside Washington, D.C., ate breakfast at a local bakery, guest lectured for friends, wrote articles for The Washington Post. He also regularly travelled to London and Hitich's home country of Turkey and worked on setting up a media group to counter pro-MBS propaganda coming out of Saudi Arabia. And yet he still hoped that one day he would be able to take his fiancée to see his home country.
3: Jamal told me uh, a lot of time my country is really, really beautiful and good and you will change your opinion uh, towards my country.
1: When the time came for Haticha and Jamal to lodge their application to marry, the Saudi government said there was one thing he needed to do first. They told Khashoggi that he needed to get paperwork from their consulate in Istanbul to prove that he'd correctly divorced his previous three wives. Hatice accompanied him to the consulate to collect the paperwork, but was told to wait outside.
3: He told me, uh, see you, see you soon. Wait me here, see you soon. A prominent Saudi journalist has gone missing. He was last seen in
0: Istanbul. Angela, where do you think he's gone to?
1: Khashoggi walked into the Saudi consulate and never came out.
0: A Turkish government spokesman says that he's still inside the consulate building, but the Saudi authorities, however, are saying that he left the consulate building and that he must have disappeared.
1: Meanwhile, Hatice continued to wait. When did you start
0: to worry?
3: I think after um, two hours, or uh, no, after three hours maybe.
1: Days passed, and there was still no sign of Jamal. In the week after he disappeared, her teacher contacted President Trump.
0: His wife wrote us a letter uh, and addressed it to my wife and myself. And we're in contact with her now and uh, we want to bring her to the White House and we want to get to the bottom of it. Trump was asked if he'd spoken to the Saudis. Uh, I'd rather not say, but the answer is yes. Khashoggi's
1: colleagues at the Washington Post were desperate for answers. I hope that, uh, that we get Jamal back and get his voice back because it's such an important one. It took more than two weeks for the Saudis to admit he was dead. They said it was in a fist fight. They said something had gone horribly wrong in the consulate. What really happened was much worse. When he arrived, inside the consulate was a 15-man assassination squad including the top forensic pathologist in Saudi Arabia who had brought the tools he uses at home to perform autopsies. Turkish audio bugs planted in the consulate picked up Khashoggi, being taken into an office. UN official Anas Kalamad listened to the tapes.
3: So when he enters the, um, the consulate, the first words are words of surprise because there are people there that he was not expecting to find. And progressively going to um, a state of fear.
1: An aide of MBS offered Khashoggi a chance to return home.
3: There were a couple of minutes where they entertained with Mr Khashoggi the idea of him uh, going back.
1: He refused and was suffocated. The pathologist then used his bone saw to take apart Khashoggi's body. We still don't know for sure what they did with the pieces. A body double was dressed in Khashoggi's clothes and sent out into Istanbul to throw people off the scent. The CIA director Gina Haspel was sent to Turkey on a fact-finding mission. She determined that MBS almost certainly ordered the murder. She gave a secret briefing to the US Congress and senators were pretty convinced of what they'd heard.
0: Uh, there's not a smoking gun, there's a smoking saw.
1: This is Republican Senator Lindsey Graham.
0: You have to be willfully blind not to come to the conclusion that this was orchestrated and organised by people in under the command of MBS and that he was intricately involved in the demise of Mr Khashoggi.
1: Following the briefing, Republican Senator Bob Corker, chair of the Foreign Relations Committee, said he was certain MBS was involved.
0: If he was in front of a jury, he would be convicted in 30 minutes uh, uh, guilty. So uh, the question is, what do we do about that?
1: MBS had utterly... Utterly screwed Kushner, and by extension, Trump. Kushner had tied himself to the 33 year old video game addicted, charismatic Crown Prince thinking he'd found a kindred spirit. But MBS is not a New Jersey property developer who happened to marry into the right family like Jared. He's a Middle East power broker raised to do whatever it takes to stay on top of a treacherous, backstabbing, sprawling royal family. He's not in charge of a medium-sized family-owned company like Kushner. He's in charge of a G20 country, which conducts mass beheadings and displays the bodies in public as a warning to others. This was the man Kushner had tied himself to and given the unquestioning support of the US government. And now it had blown up in his face. (music) It was a month before the midterm elections in the US, and President Trump had to try and deal with this new disaster. Initially, he was very honest.
0: We had a very bad original concept,
1: saying clearly Saudi Arabia had done something spectacularly wrong.
0: It was carried out poorly, and the cover up was one of the worst in the history of cover ups. It's very simple.
1: According to the New York Times, Kushner was helping MBS with the cover up of Khashoggi's death. He was interviewed about it a day after Saudi Arabia admitted Khashoggi was dead.
0: Uh, With regards to the situation in Saudi Arabia, uh, I'd say that right now as an administration we're more in the fact-finding phase.
1: He admitted that he was already advising MBS on
0: what he should do. What kind of advice have you given MBS in this whole situation? Uh, Just to be transparent. To be fully transparent that the world is watching this uh, is a very, very serious uh, accusation. How how did he respond to that counsel? Uh, We'll see.
1: Writer Michael Wolfe, who devoted some of his book *Siege* to the killing of Khashoggi, said Kushner was working hard to protect his friend by privately telling reporters that Khashoggi was a terrorist. Wolfe also says that Kushner advised MBS to execute the guys on the assassination squad.
0: And Jared calls up um, MBS and says, "And says I think you better execute all those all those guys very quickly."
1: Wolfe's sourcing is questionable. And the White House denies that Kushner did this. But if that was his advice, the Saudis seem to have followed it. They began arresting those they said were involved and sentencing them to death. The Saudi Foreign Minister declared the Khashoggi assassination to be a rogue operation. This was an operation where individuals uh, ended up exceeding the authorities and responsibilities they had. They made a mistake when they killed Jamal Khashoggi in the consulate and they tried to cover up for it. Trump supported this story. It sounded to me like maybe these
0: could have been rogue killers. Who knows?
1: The Saudi royal family gave Khashoggi's children luxurious homes and compensation of more than $100,000 a year indefinitely to say sorry that some of their men had gone rogue. The White House eventually decided where their priorities lay. Maybe MBS was involved, maybe he
0: wasn't, but... They spend $400 billion in our country over the last number of years. $400 billion, that's a million and a half jobs. And they're not ones that, unlike some countries, where they want terms. They want terms and conditions. They want to say, can we borrow the money at 0% for the next 400 years? No, no, Saudi Arabia pays cash.
1: It doesn't matter what they do. Saudi Arabia pays cash. Trump and his son-in-law naively walked right into a trap. Dazzled by glowing orbs and billions and billions of dollars and the promise of reform, they tied themselves to MBS. And when it turned out that that was a dreadful, dreadful idea, they made it clear that for the right price, they could overlook anything. Just a few months ago, as Trump considered pulling troops out of the Middle East, he was still making special exceptions for Saudi Arabia.
0: We're sending more to Saudi Arabia and Saudi Arabia is paying us for it. You know, we're doing something that nobody's ever done. I said to Saudi Arabia, we have a very good relationship with Saudi Arabia. I said, listen, you're a very rich country. You want more troops? I'm going to send them to you, but you've got to pay us. They're paying us. They've already deposited $1 billion in the bank.
1: Instead of making America strong again, Trump seems open to converting US foreign policy from at least theoretically a force of righteousness to something available to anyone for the right price.
0: Saudi Arabia pays cash.
1: America, if you're listening, is written by me, Matt Bevan. It's produced by Yasmin Parry and Will Ockenden. Next. We're
0: fired up! We're fired
1: up! Donald Trump's presidency has seen the biggest racial equality protests in 50 years. And his only solution has been to order a crackdown.
0: If a city or state refuses to take the actions that are necessary to defend the life and property of their residents, then I will deploy the United States military and quickly solve the problem for them. But
1: what does Donald Trump's history tell us about his ability to deal with a crisis like this?
0: A well-educated black has a tremendous advantage over a well-educated white in terms of the job market.
1: That's next on America If You're Listening.